ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Tuesday, January 12th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join this program, this very program, by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true. Great taste. It's only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. What'd you do yesterday? Uh, do anything fun? Did you... Did you watch Alabama dismantle Ohio State? I did. And let me tell you, that was fun. That was absolute fun. Alabama caps off a 13-0 season, dominates, I mean dominates Ohio State. 52-24, wins its 13th national championship, doing the math the most in the AP poll era since 1936. It's the Crimson Tide 6th and 12 seasons, which is the shortest span to win six national titles. Uh, Alabama did it previously. took them 19 se- uh, seasons from 1961 to 79. So it's been done before, but Alabama sped up the process this time. Uh, Nick Saban, Nick Saban, his seventh championship. You count the one at LSU in 2003. He's got seven championships. He surpasses Bear Bryant the most by a coach in the AP poll era. Saban is also the first head coach to win a AP coaches poll national championship in three different decades, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. Those are the three different decades. The 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 aughts, the 20, I mean, that's some longevity, folks. That's some longevity. And I've heard the conversation, is this just the greatest Football coach ever. I mean, the argument is looking pretty good for him right now. Um, you, you excuse that stint in the NFL because, let's be honest, um, NFL is a hard place. If you're not with the right team and organization, it doesn't matter how good a coach you are. Uh, it's it's built a little different. And, of course, uh, Bill Belichick, by the way, is in that conversation as far as coach. If you were just trying to figure out coach, all-time coach, doesn't matter football, just all-time coach, is it Bill Belichick? Is it Nick Saban? That's an interesting conversation. I'm not talking NFL versus college. I'm just talking football coach. Which one's the goat of goats? A often used and abused term, the goat. Which one's the best? Which one has the resume of resumes? I don't know. Nick Saban's got his seventh championship. You did it at LSU. You did it at Alabama. I mean, Alabama's tough to beat, and you can reload. It's easier to reload at Alabama than it is with the New England Patriots. I mean, you got restrictions at the NFL level. You can't just go out and, and spin your way to a team. And I'm not saying that you can't at Alabama, but, boy, they got a lot of money, and they can resource that thing all they want and recruit like nobody's business. But it was fun to watch that yesterday. I know a lot of Ohio State fans are going to disagree with me, and, and yeah, uh, did you stick around? Probably not. I mean, Ohio State, for the most part, I thought it was going to be interesting for a while, and then just Alabama said, no, we're done. It's over. Now we sit and wait and see how everything pans out for the college football season 2021 version, what that's going to look like. But Alabama right now uh, on top of the world. Speaking of football, of course, the NFL continues on. We've got the divisional round coming up this weekend, and 
the playoffs had a super wild card weekend. We had six games. And I don't know about you. That's a lot of football. And to be fair, Saturday and Sunday, I wish I could report to you that I can just sit back and, and watch football, basketball, all that stuff all weekend long. I mean, usually I've got a Marshall game to throw in there. So it's not like I can actually go and just sit down and, and consume games all day. I've got the Marshall game usually on a Saturday. For a lot of you, that's part of your day as well. So that's my game. Usually the game I get to watch, the game I get to to see, that's the Marshall game on Saturday. But usually if I have the the day, the availability, I got to do stuff, right? Like most of you, I got to do stuff. So the fact the NFL threw at us six games, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, we were starting at 1 o'clock, working our way all the way to midnight. And if you're an NFL diehard, you're loving it. If you had nothing else to do, it was your day. For the rest of us, we got stuff to do. So thankfully, I had the radio side of things because I was actually one of those people with things to do. I was listening to our feed, listening to the games while I was out doing what I needed to do. And a lot of people still watch, but the, the ratings are down. NFL numbers were down, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact there was just so much football. There were six games on, and you can't watch all that all the time. I mean, on Sunday, you got your team. If your team's playing, you you carve out a little bit of your Sunday for that. You go to church if you do in the morning, and then you come back and you watch that game, or you get your stuff done early that you need to do. You carve a little time out for the game. You watch that, and then you got maybe other things to do. And... I know for the most part, they're not exclusive, but a lot of people dedicate Saturday to their football watching. A lot of people dedicate Sunday because you know, if you're more of a college football fan, you're going to watch those games on Saturday. Sunday is your day. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll look in on it. And it flips as well. I mean, there are those people who watch both. You know, for me, I'm actually more of a NFL fan these days. I'm watching, but specifically, I want to see how bad the Bengals lose and be sometimes pleasantly surprised. But the TV ratings are down. But let's put this in context. Ratings are down from last year. You had so much football, you can't just consume it all. And on Saturday, 21.8 million people watched. Sunday, 26 million people watched. Sunday's Brown-Steelers game was the most-watched primetime show since last February's Super Bowl. No other sports or TV shows come close to generating those numbers. And yet the numbers were down. The numbers were down, but yet the NFL still comes through. you got to look at it in context. got to look at it. I don't think it's, it's out of line to say, yeah, a lot of people were watching probably a lot of political coverage. A lot of people were watching the news cycle. Others were probably watching their game, and then that's it, because you can't just sit there and consume it all. If you can, I mean, good for you. But the numbers seem to be nuts, and they're still down. I'll be interested to see when we get to a point where – all right, we've streamlined this a little bit. We're down a few teams here, so we can streamline this. What's it going to look like here? Because we're going to have more of a traditional weekend. We're going to have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. I'm trying to work it down. We're in the divisional round here. One of your big draws, the Steelers out. I mean, how much of a draw will Cleveland be? Will there be that curiosity factor? I don't know. Uh, and then, talking about the NFL, Nickelodeon, we were talking about that. Bears-Saints, that wasn't the best game to, to look at. All right, let's be honest. That wasn't the best game to look at. But social media, I was all over the place. People were tuning in, watching that. Social media, I was looking at a little bit of social media. I thought it was a blast. 
that game generated 2.06 million viewers. CBS said that that is the highest rating for Nickelodeon in four years. The game generated, as we mentioned, 28 million viewers on CBS. Uh, so a lot of people were watching. But the game on Nickelodeon is a smash hit. I hope they do it again. Figure out how to, to keep it entertaining. I mean, they put a lot of money and time into that thing. I mean, they put a lot of production value. And it was perfect. If you want X's and O's, this was not your game. If you wanted that kind of in-depth coverage, if you wanted just a general football game, here it is. You can watch with your kids. I mean, that was perfect. So uh, I'm glad that they got a lot of numbers on that. Basketball's coming back. We got Marshall coming up this week and taking on Western Kentucky. Uh, we're going to talk later this week to the voice of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, Randy Lee. He'll join us later this week. Uh, also, uh, just a, a sneak peek, we're going to talk a little bit about Marshall Tennis later on. The schedule's out. John Mercer joins me tomorrow to talk about the schedule, but we'll look at a little bit at it today. So sneak preview of what's coming up. Also, I was in on the Zoom earlier this afternoon. Dan D'Antoni was talking to the media. Um, we've got some of his highlights from that. Quick look at Western Kentucky from him. Uh, a preview of the team's health. Everything seems to be good. You will hear that from Dan D'Antoni. Later on, your phone calls, social media, at Paul Swan on Twitter, the best place to find me. So we've got several avenues for you to be a part of the program, and it all continues after this short time out here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. It's The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Still to come, we're going to take a look at this uh, Marshall University women's tennis schedule. Uh, it came out. John Mercer is joining me tomorrow. Uh, John will be on the program. We'll probably talk about the tennis schedule and the start of the hockey season. I don't know why he specified tomorrow. I think that might be the real reason why, because he knew we could talk hockey tomorrow, whatever the case may be. John's on the program tomorrow, and then coming up later this week, Randy Lee, voice of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Uh, we're going to talk about this Western Kentucky matchup with Marshall. Marshall's had some time off. Uh, Western Kentucky, Pretty good team. That's a that's a team that could win the Conference USA Championship. They've got a almost all-world center in Charles Bassey. There's actually, I got the email, probably because I'm on the uh, on the mailing list. I got the email uh, touting him for National Defensive Player of the Year. You shotgun those things and see who's voting, and um, I think I'm going to have a vote on that. He's a big deal. Dan talks about him, but first off, um, when we talked to Dan earlier today, I just want to kind of get his impression. I mean, he's had time, right? There's no excuse. He's had some time to look at a little film here. I wanted to know what he could tell us about Western Kentucky. Uh, ball club is, what, seven, what are they, nine and two? Nine and four. Nine and four, right? Uh, two losses within the league. Seven and two outside the league. Two and two inside the league. Might tell you a little something about the league. Uh, they played a tough schedule and beat good teams. Uh, uh, played West Virginia good. Uh, played uh, Louisville good. Beat uh, who they beat? They beat uh, Northern Iowa. They beat uh, 
Memphis. They beat uh, Ark, uh, Alabama. They beat uh, what's one up in the Northeast with a blue. It's blue and white. Uh, Rhode Island. It was a Rhode Island. Yeah. Big Island. Uh, you know, good ball club. Uh, I watched the Gardner Webb game today. Gardner Webb's a good ball club, and they they're like three and seven, but they played back to backs, real good teams. And uh, but uh, they're they're a good ball club, real good ball club, and uh, they're athletic. Got a big man, six eleven. It's going to be an NBA, they say, NBA uh, draft pick or high NBA draft pick. Uh, yeah, they're going to be a good ball club. Yeah, what about that guy, Bassey? You remember him? He always causes fits for the thundering herd. He's going to be in the NBA one day, they say. What's Dan's take on him? Well, he's running better now and moving better. He he has a little – if I if I were evaluating him of NBA as an NBA scout, something like uh, I'd, a little bit about his uh, mobility side to side, uh, vertically uh, and running straight. He's fine. He, uh, I would like to see what he does uh, side to side movement. But uh, – uh, you know, it's it's an interesting matchup. Well, you know, we'll well, you know, we'll have to see what Bourne can do by himself with him. Uh, if we had Iron, it'd uh, give you a little bit more uh, idea of uh, maybe we just keep big on big. But there's going to be times that you know, Gordon and, and may need Gordon might need help. Uh, I don't think he's as developed uh, inside as uh, Bassey, so he may need some help. So. We're going to have to team defend him a little bit, scheme a little bit uh, defensively. And then offensively, you know, with Gordon in the game, he doesn't give you the same uh, spread. He can shoot it out there, but not like Mike and Jansen, who shoot it quick. And uh, you have to get back out on them a lot faster. So, you know, where where we fall in that line about, okay, where's our advantage as compared to their advantage? How much is one way or the other? I I'm sure Bassey has an advantage inside with Mike and Jansen gardening, certainly. We would certainly have an advantage outside with them, with Bassey trying to guard them. So, you know, where that – who wins that, you know, you don't know till the game's over. And there are four other players, too, that are going to be playing. And our strengths and our guards, and there's, they have good guards. So it should be a, a real good matchup. Speaking of the matchup, it's one of those you circle on the calendar. Western Kentucky, over the last few years, since their admission into Conference USA, is it due to just the fact that it's been competitive, it's, it's geographical, are the fans just on each other? What is it? Why is this such a good rivalry with Western Kentucky? Uh, well, one, the closeness. you got West Virginia, Kentucky, Hatfield, McCoy's. A little further west, but uh, still the same. Uh, uh, just they both love basketball. You know, Bowling Green and uh, that part of the country is uh, bred in basketball. They always have been. They have a history of uh, great teams. Uh, we like to think we, we love our history. So uh, you put us in a conference that doesn't have a lot of natural rivalries, you know, you start to acquire them. That's obviously the closest kin that you have. So you, it grows as it starts that way. It's grown and uh, it's grown into football and everything, really, to be honest with you. People, you know, human beings are, they got to have somebody to hate. Man, he hit that right on the head, didn't he? People have got to have somebody to hate. Well, herd fans hate Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky fans hate the herd. So it's a, it's a perfect match. Speaking of the herd, how's this team health-wise? Last week, unable to play against Charlotte. This week, hopefully everything's okay. 
what's the team report card on health from Coach Dan D'Antoni? Uh, you know, it's good. Uh, you know, it's uh, Jared didn't uh, last I checked. I talked to him yesterday or day four yesterday. No symptoms. Nobody else had anything. Uh, you know, it's just tough. Uh, I, that's why I don't go out at night. Contract take tracing. It's not. I'm worried about getting it as somebody else and then saying I was with them. So, you know, it's just a tough situation right now. But uh, I think everybody will be healthy. I'm a little bit uh, worried about. And uh, we won't have a lot of time on the floor. Uh, two practices with everybody except Jared, and we might get one practice in with Jared. So he's got to go through testing. So the time he gets through testing, it'll be Thursday. He gets to practice when we go down there Thursday evening. So, you know, what that does with uh, our rhythm and tempo, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I can't tell you. That's going to be the interesting factor. What's this team going to look like once it takes the court? It hasn't been a while. And that um, they get an extra day, though. Western Kentucky was generous enough to move the schedule to Friday. Uh, Dan talked about on the presser today. They wanted to try to get that Sunday game moved to Monday. Couldn't get that done, but they did get the Thursday game moved to Friday. So Marshall plays Friday and Sunday. We have them both for you here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930 as the Thundering Herd taking on Western Kentucky, trying to get back into rhythm and continue on there. Hopefully, uh, march towards the top here in Conference USA. This game could really set them back. We could see a split, or we could see Marshall, due to just being able to practice for a while, maybe lose this series where they have more of a competitive chance if they were able to play it after a week against Charlotte. We'll see what happens on Friday. That's why they play the game. When we continue, we're going to take a look at that Marshall tennis schedule. The ladies' schedule comes out tomorrow on the program. John Mercer joins me, but we'll break a little bit of this down today for you when we continue on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking you home for this Tuesday, January 12th. Welcome back, Paul Swan, your host here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Coming up on the program tomorrow, John Mercer, head coach of the Marshall Tennis Team. Schedule comes out today, and we're going to break it down with Coach tomorrow. But I think he wants to come on the program tomorrow to talk hockey with me as well. And that's fine. We'll do that. But the ladies get underway. Not many road matches this year. I guess because of certain scheduling requirements, had to be a little creative on how you're going to schedule, which teams are going to schedule. And you look at the schedule. On Thursday the 28th, it's going to be Marshall at University of Kentucky. So right off the bat, you're going to schedule a game, or I'm sorry, a match against Kentucky. That's going to be a quick test. And then on February 5th, which is a Friday, you're going to be at Murray State. So you're staying in Kentucky for the first two. Then on Sunday, February 7th, you have a match in Murfreesboro, Tennessee against Middle Tennessee. And then you're home until March 13th. How's that work out? You have February 13th, a Saturday, against Furman. You have a home match on February 19th against uh, Bellarmine University. And then on March 3rd, on Wednesday, March 3rd, Radford. And you have Saturday, March 6th against VCU. All those matches at home. Then you go on the road. You've got two matches on Saturday and Sunday, March 13th and 14th. You're going to take on Charlotte 
and then a neutral matchup against Presbyterian College. So, you know, you get two matches on uh, one visit, then back home until April 16th. So you'll play March 27th against Liberty, March 28th against Virginia Tech, and then you also will have West Virginia State University on that same day. And then on April 3rd, you welcome in the Mountaineers. So West Virginia comes into Huntington on April 3rd. April 9th, you have James Madison University. And that's going to be, I'm sorry, that's going to be the road trip. Uh, that'll be in Harrisburg, Virginia. So you're at Harrisburg, Virginia's James Madison University. And then you come back home. You have two days, or I'm sorry, you have two sets with the uh, University of Cincinnati. Uh, if I'm reading the schedule right here, and we'll go over it with a uh, coach later. Uh, and then on Friday, April 16th, you return the, the the trip. West Virginia comes into Huntington on April 3rd, and you go to Morgantown on April 16th. Then you got the Conference USA Tournament, and that's what your tennis schedule looks like. And, of course, as I mentioned, Coach Mercer joins me tomorrow on the program. Uh, he'll go over it in greater detail. I'm just giving you the sort of at-a-glance look at this thing. But the first thing that strikes me is the geography. You're going to North Carolina, and you're getting two matches in North Carolina at Charlotte. That's not too terrible of a trip. You have the trip to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's easy to do. And then other than a trip to Morgantown, you're at home for the majority of this. you got to go to Virginia one time to Harrisonburg. That's not too far away. So really, Kentucky, close by. Tennessee and Murfreesboro, just part of the beaten path for Conference USA team if you're in the league. Charlotte, part of the beaten path here if you're in Conference USA. A hop over to Harrisonburg, Virginia. You're going to play host to the Mountaineers and then return the game on the 16th of April, or you're going to return the match, and you're in Huntington the rest of the way. I mean, that's what the Conference USA schedulings look like. And you go to Texas for the tournament, and you look at some of the opponents here. I mean, you're going to play two against Cincinnati, if I'm if I'm reading that. I'm sorry. Uh, it's Cincinnati and University of Charleston here. Uh, I do apologize. I, I, uh, I double-printed that. E1 Swan today. Yeah, with that said, yeah, you're getting Cincinnati and Charleston on the 11th. Again, uh, Coach Mercer will come in tomorrow, correct the schedule with me, and go over it, and then we will discuss hockey. That's probably going to be the game plan tomorrow on the program. I do apologize there. The uh, the schedule still, for the most part, is uh, favoring the herd at home. So, And that's probably interesting to say. That's probably going to be what a lot of these schedules look like when all these sports start ramping back up. Now, you can't play everything at home. You can't schedule everything at home. But you're going to try to make sense of your schedule with your conference partners and institutions that you can maybe get home matches and home games with. That's what the schedules are going to probably look like here. You're going to try to find as many geographically sensible matchups as you possibly can, all in a compressed time frame. I mean, we're going to go from late January to April. So February, March, April. We're going to get all of this in three months, tournament, see what's happening after that, see what the herd can do get postseason. I suspect the same thing for for the other sports. And honestly, if you look at the way these sports are scheduled, this might be the shape of things to come here in the future. If football travels in a in a major fashion, 
fair to say it's it's a big expenditure here. It's a major undertaking. I mean, you're trucking in equipment, you're chartering flights, you got a lot of people that you're 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 flying to games when you travel. Maybe you'll bust some in. I mean, is is a is that going to happen? Is that going to continue? Probably. You're going to probably going to charter for the most part here in football. Basketball, you're probably bussing where you can, but. For football, football is an undertaking, and you're still going to probably try to play matches and games that make sense. You know, I don't see any long West Coast trips here anytime soon. I just don't. And with all your other sports, is it going to make sense to have, unless it makes sense, are you going to send your tennis team out West? Are you going to send your softball team out West? Are you going to send your baseball team out West? South, you might send. West, probably not. North, maybe. But again, if you're baseball, you're probably going south. If you're softball, you're probably going south. Tennis, you can you can go a few directions. Volleyball, you can go a few directions. But still, are you sending your volleyball team out west here in the near future? Probably not. And this is probably going to be a, a revamping and reevaluation of how travel dollars are spent here in the future and how you schedule because, again, the pandemic has shined a light on many athletic department. Some have come out looking pretty good. Others, their house have been found wanting a little bit. And when you have budget shortfalls and you don't have the income coming in, you're going to try to evaluate how you spend your money, where you spend your money, and what you can do differently, what you can cut, what you didn't live without. I mean, some institutions we've talked about over the uh, last seven or eight months, I mean, staff furloughed, laid off, playing the home game now. Hasn't been fun, has it? It has not. And so that's why it's going to be imperative these athletic departments to try to figure out how to work their budgets and how to save and where to save. And sure, there might be a, a reason to, to travel far for some of these other sports, but at the, at the end of the day, you look at the budget and you go, okay, this is what we can do. Here's what we you know, should do, want to do, and here's what we can do. And I think this tennis schedule, and that's what I want to talk to John about, Coach Mercer, is how much of an effort was put into the schedule to stay at home, stay close by, not spend that travel budget, and still put together a competitive, attractive schedule. I mean, you, you don't want to just play any old body, right? You don't want to play just anybody. And so you try to put the schedule together, what makes sense, and you're, you're traveling to Kentucky, that's easy to get to. You're traveling to Tennessee, easy. Charlotte, yep. Harrisonburg, Virginia, yep. Easy to get to. Staying home in Huntington, you're traveling to Morgantown. Morgantown's not a hard drive at all. There you have it. And then if you if you look at the schedule, the, the biggest trip is going to be Denton, Texas, Conference USA Tournament. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. This is The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate every one of you for being a part of the program this afternoon. As I mentioned earlier in the program, coming up tomorrow, John Mercer, head coach of the Marshall tennis team, joins me. I think he picked tomorrow specifically because it's the start of the NHL season, not because his schedule's out. He picked that specifically because he knows this is his shot. He can talk a little hockey. His Penguins are on TV tomorrow, I believe. 5.30. The Penguins and the Flyers. Did I read that right? Is that is that right? That's what we got tomorrow? 5 o'clock? 5.30? So, um, yeah. 
We have got, coming up tomorrow, we have got Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, 5.30 p.m. tomorrow on NBC Sports Network. I'm surprised he's even doing the interview tomorrow, to be quite honest, now that I see this TV schedule. So we're going to talk about that. We can we can talk about that, and I can maybe have uh, some fun with him as Philadelphia is probably going to beat Pittsburgh. We'll see. Chicago and Tampa Bay is coming up at 8 o'clock tomorrow, and then St. Louis and Colorado, that'll be 10.30 p.m. Thankfully for me, though, um, the Rangers don't play until tomorrow, so I can actually uh, – I don't have to stay up late. St. Louis and Colorado, I don't, I'm not going to stay up late. Yeah, I am. What are you all talking about? So that's what uh, the uh, schedule looks like tomorrow. So there are five games. Vancouver, Edmonton. Uh, obviously, we're not going to get Montreal and Toronto. Um, the Canadian teams are in its own division this year. All the teams are in uh, in, in division – uh, just for Canadian teams, which I think makes sense if you're going to try to, especially travel restrictions. And that's another thing. Travel restrictions are going to be uh, quite interesting here for the foreseeable future. I mean, the NBA is starting to clamp down a little bit more uh, with its restrictions on what you can and can't do uh, while you're in the season here. I think the NFL could have probably done a better job. I mean, college football has been so hit or miss. College basketball has been so hit or miss. I, again, in college athletics, that's the problem. There's not a true one voice to oversee everything. There's not this one definitive voice. There's not that, okay, here here it is. This is the rule of law here. I mean, the college football season, conferences – did what they thought was best and partly in their own interest, but still, you had little chiefdoms and little serfdoms here. I mean, come on. The SEC does what's best for the SEC. The Big Ten does what's best for the Big Ten. The Pac-12 does what's best for the Pac-12. The Big 12 does what's best for the Big 12. The ACC does what is in the best interest of the ACC. That is what college athletics looks like from the top. Same thing with all the other smaller Less fortunate conferences. Conference USA doing what it can, not necessarily what its best interests are, but what it can do, and I think some of the other conferences as well. Basketball is going to be the same way because you have more conferences. You have different structure there. Ultimately, though, I think you need you need something that's unified. For football especially, if you are a fan of college football on the West Coast, what did last night offer you? What did the playoffs offer you? That's a... That's another thing to keep in mind. What does, unless you're in the eastern portion or the central portion of the United States, what did last night offer you? It didn't. I mean, if you're you're in California, you're in Oregon, you're in the on the West Coast. What did last night offer you? And that's uh, that's what's being um, considered as well. Should you open this thing up? But the argument here is why open it up? Because Alabama right now is playing on a different level than every other team. For the most part, it's Alabama and everybody else. It's the Alabama Invitational. Alabama doesn't win it every year, but near wins it every year. Alabama cycles, maybe cycles down a season and cycles back up and then just destroys everyone and then cycles down, cycles right back up and then destroys everyone. It's like Alabama and then, okay, somebody else can take it for a little bit and then we'll be right back for it. Because Alabama showed last night, Alabama's on a different level. Ohio State, Ohio State, the Ohio State University, not on the same level last night as Alabama. 
I know the attitude is like almost why bother because it's it's Alabama's to lose. And most years that's correct. It's Alabama's to lose most year. And that's a credit to what Nick Saban's done and what that organization and that program have been able to produce and put in place. Is it going to always be that way? Not certain, but it's looking pretty strong right now. So that's the counter argument. Hey, we should expand this thing. Well, maybe you should, but find me three or four other teams that are even close to Alabama right now. I mean, for the most part, it's Alabama. Clemson will cycle in. Notre Dame's thanks, but no thanks. I mean, they're like probably, I don't know, Notre Dame belonged in there this year. I don't know if they did, to be fair. Really, that's the counter argument. Sure, you'd like to open this thing up. Hey, you know, everyone should have access. Okay, I get that. Sure, it might be fun, but at the end of the day, I need a compelling reason to say, okay, this is why it would be better because Alabama just trashed everybody. At least with the NFL, we get some fun and interesting, compelling games, and that's why I like the pro side better. I love college, but at the end of the day, this thing was just embarrassing last night. I, at one point, thought to myself, why am I watching this? It's fun to watch Ohio State get beat down, but at the other, you know, on the other side of this, where's the entertainment value? This is not it's just to see how much Alabama could tattoo Ohio State. That that was the compelling reason for me. Whatever the case may be, uh, sorry, Buckeye fans. Um, better luck next year. Maybe you got a shot because I don't know if Alabama's going to be that loaded. This might have been one of the best Alabama teams of all time. Maybe. Just maybe. And I know a lot of people have been wondering, have they ever seen a wide receiver as good as Devontae Smith? And the answer is probably Randy Moss. And other than that, eh, you know, he's... He's in the Randy Moss conversation. That was, the, in my mind, and a lot of other Herd fans' minds, that's the rarefied air, the Randy Moss level. And with that, we say goodnight to you. Thanks for tuning in. Back tomorrow, uh, we're getting closer to basketball this week. Randy Lee joins me on Thursday, the voice of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, coming up tomorrow. John Mercer, head coach of the Marshall tennis team, my good friend and, and pal, John Mercer. I know why I picked tomorrow. It wasn't a schedule conflict. It's He wants to talk hockey. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. So we'll talk hockey with him. But, hey, we're going to get into that schedule. And, of course, uh, we'll get you closer to what's happening this week. Uh, we might even hear from Tony Kemper. So uh, that's coming up tomorrow as well as uh, Tony's going to sit down and talk to the media tomorrow. So uh, we're going to try to get in on that and uh, bring it to you. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate everyone joining me here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.